0: So what makes it possible for us to enjoy life in that new reality where we're worshiping the Lord, where everything in life becomes uh, an opportunity to worship, uh, an opportunity to enjoy a reconciled relationship with God? We're not on the outside anymore. We're now on the inside. We're, We're sons, we're daughters of the God who created us. Well, that's all possible because of Jesus. Jesus is the one who has opened up the doors and is the one who has joined us to himself in a life-giving relationship. And it changes everything. It changes everything about how we look at life. It changes everything about what is to come after life. This morning, uh, we're going to be looking at baptism, uh, specifically the baptism of Jesus. And um, what is baptism? What is the significance of baptism? Where does that come into play? Uh, Well, baptism, real simply, is when a Christian, somebody who's been joined to Jesus, publicly identifies with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We know what it means to publicly identify with something. I think we all can relate to that. Um, at my house, uh, one of the ways that that plays itself out, or that you see that, uh, is it's it's October, right? And uh, if you're a baseball fan, uh, October, you know what October is. It's it's the playoffs. It's the postseason, and uh, we happen to be fan a fan of a team that. that at least in in recent years, has found themselves in the postseason quite frequently. Uh, we're, we're Cardinals fans, St. Louis Cardinals fan, and uh, and so you know we're publicly on a weekly basis in the postseason identifying ourselves with the Cardinals. So uh, that means for me, this is what for for you to kind of get a little peek into my life. Uh, I'm not as up to date on what's going on as my wife is. She's the big, big Cardinals fan. And so she reminds me uh, in the mornings, uh, she'll remind me, hey, you know, the Cardinals are playing tonight or this afternoon. And uh, and especially in the postseason, it's much more important. Uh, So she's like, hey, you need to put on appropriate apparel um, because we need to represent today. We need to, su- we need to support. Uh, so, so you need to put on that, that red Cardinals shirt and uh, make sure you wear your Cardinals baseball cap to work or whatever, uh, because today they are playing, you know? And, and so we're publicly identifying. We're publicly saying, hey, that's our team and we're supporting them. We're, re- we're rooting for them today. We want to be identified with them because we're, we're hoping for a victory. And when they win... Boy, yeah. Hey, we want people to know that's our team. That's our team. Now I know some of you are looking at me. I see those judgmental eyes <laughs> and and you're saying, Oh, you're so unspiritual, you know. Sports and all that and baseball and Well I've seen those OU flags hanging from your garage. And on your porches, those OSU, those Cowboys flags, I've seen those. I've seen that orange there. So don't you judge me. Don't you dare judge me. No. And in, all, in all fun and seriousness, we, we know what that means. We know what it means to want to publicly identify uh, with something that, uh, that we think is important, that, that we enjoy, that we love. How much more so on a much deeper level, on a much more significant level, should we want to publicly identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and to say publicly, that's my Lord. That's my King. That's my Savior. He rescued me. He's changed everything for me. All of life, all the world has changed for me because of Jesus and what he's done. And I want everybody to know, I want to boast. I want to publicly let everybody know that Jesus has changed me. And that's what baptism is about. It's an opportunity to publicly put on display the death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ, the reconciliation that He has made possible for us. This morning we're specifically looking in Matthew chapter 3. So uh, if you have your Bibles and you want to turn there uh, with with us, you can. Uh, it'll also be up on, on the screen as well so you can follow along. And um, We're going to look specifically at the baptism of Jesus. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him. And they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Father, as we uh, come, we thank you for um, just this story from your life, this record of of your baptism. Um, We thank you for Jesus for coming and humbling yourself, walking among us, living among us, identifying yourself with us as sinners. And then coming to be our Savior. Thank you for coming and, and substituting yourself for us, taking our place, taking the just penalty for our sin on yourself so that we could get grace, so that we can be reconciled to the Father. Thank you, Lord, for your sacrifice, thank you for your love. Thank you for changing everything for me. Lord, I pray that you'd be lifted up this morning. I pray that the gospel, the good news of why you came would be made clear this morning. I pray for you to open eyes and open hearts um, to trust in you, to boast in you. Lord, we do pray for Pastor Jason and and for John Elam as uh, they are in Guatemala today and uh, ministering to pastors. We pray that you'd bless their ministry there, uh, that you'd give them wisdom and and give them uh, just the ability to communicate well uh, to these pastors that they're ministering to. Uh, We just pray you'd bless their ministry this week, that it would be fruitful. Uh, Lord, we love you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you didn't know, Pastor Jason is in Guatemala this week. That's why I'm filling in for him, and uh, he's doing some really cool stuff, uh, uh, teaching pastors, uh, Guatemalan pastors who will who will plant churches, and some of them already are leading churches. Uh, and so they've kind of been meeting, uh, really, for the last I think it's been over over the course of of at least a year or two. Uh, they've been going down. Occasionally, and, and investing in these pastors, and so this is almost like kind of like seminary for these pastors. This is probably the only formal uh, pastoral education those guys will get, um, and uh, and so they're kind of uh, uh, investing in those guys this week. It's it's pretty cool to think about that uh, that God is is using Jason in that way to to um, to. Kind of download all his knowledge and all his wisdom uh, into some of these uh, young pastors that that are down there. So, uh, so anyway, be praying for him and for John Elam this week as as they're doing that. One of the first things I see here uh, in Matthew chapter three uh, is uh, that is is really kind of remarkable to me is that the Pharisees and the Sadducees they come on the scene here in chapter three. They're coming out to the wilderness and. Um, they're not coming to give John a pat on the back and say, hey, good to see somebody else preaching out here and talking to people. They're really, they're really coming out there to criticize John. They're really, their goal is, hey, we're the holy guys. We're the people that know God's word. And so we don't want people going out into the wilderness. They need, why, why are you going out here? You need to come to us. We're the holy guys. You need to come listen to us talk. And so they go out into the wilderness and they're going out there to really criticize John. And right in front of them, man, God is pouring out his grace the ministry of John, uh, God is doing something really cool that he's been talking about that he's going to do for hundreds of years. Uh, in fact, even in Matthew chapter three, uh, the, the gospel writer, Matthew, he quotes uh, the book of Isaiah uh, with this, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, talking about uh, the guy that's coming, uh, talking about John the Baptist, who's going to be the herald and is going to be the, the guy that's basically rolling out the red carpet for the Messiah. And, and, and instead of rejoicing, These Pharisees, these religious leaders, they're critical. And the ironic thing about that is the very thing that they think makes them holy and causes them to be critical towards John is the very thing that they take pride in. And that's their their religion. That's their zeal for the word of God. And so instead of rejoicing and saying, wow, isn't God awesome, look what God's doing, they're blind to it. Religion has the way of doing that. And, you know, as I looked at that even yesterday and I was kind of writing down some of my sermon notes, my tendency a lot of times when I look at the Pharisees and the Sadducees is I think, how can those guys miss it? How, How did they miss it? How did they miss who Jesus was and what Jesus had come to do? How did they miss just, man, we should be rejoicing. And, you know, as I was thinking that, something just struck me in my heart. And I was like, ugh. And I just, I was like, you know what? That's me. I'm like that. I'm just like that. And, and I think back to just growing up in church. And I think of all the years... Where I knew, I knew about Jesus, I knew about the Bible, and I missed it. I didn't trust Jesus. I was not repenting of my sin. I was not embracing Jesus as Savior, as Lord. I was rebelling against Him the whole time. Some of my earliest memories are growing up, I can remember... Uh, we, We lived in Lovell, Wyoming. My dad was a forester there. And uh, we went to a church called the Lovell Bible Church, and it had a it had a one room school in the basement, uh, one room Christian school. And so I remember going to kindergarten there, and I remember I remember learning to count to one hundred, and I learned I remember learning the sixty six books of the Bible, and and I could say both of those almost just as fast. I mean, I would try to I would race you know and see how fast I could count to one hundred, and I'd race to see how fast I could say all sixty six books of the Bible, and uh, and so you know I, I remember. You know, growing up there in church, and then I remember when we got older, we moved to uh, Minnesota. And when I was in first grade, we started going to a Lutheran church there in 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 northern Minnesota. And uh, and so I'm kind of unfolding here, man. I was a religious person growing up. I was always in church. Um, I remember going through confirmation. If, if some of you have, have come from a, a Lutheran tradition, you may be familiar with, with confirmation. But basically, it's kind of an a after-school Bible study. I would go every week and, and meet with the pastor. And, uh, and he would teach us about the gospel. He would teach us uh, about the life of Jesus and what Lutherans believe. And then eventually, after you finished confirmation, then you got to join the church and become a member of the church. And, and, uh, and so I remember going through all those things. Uh, I even remember, kind of as as a younger, uh, kind of preteen, um, I I saw somebody get baptized, and I thought, man, you know, I I don't remember getting baptized. I, I was baptized as an infant, I think, in a Catholic church. I was sprinkled, uh, and uh, so I thought, well, wow, you know what, that looks that looks important that they're doing that, that, so I want to get, I want to get sprinkled, you know, I want to, I want to go up and and get sprinkled in front of the church, and you got a cool white towel, I remember that, they give you like a little white towel with a little, like gold cross on it, I thought, that's cool, I want one of those, you know, I'd like to have one of those, um, and then I remember, as I got older, a freshman in high school, I remember we moved from Minnesota, and we moved to Missouri, and, um, we started going to a church there. It had a youth ministry, and um, I started to hear something that although i 'd probably it 's probably been taught to me my whole life, I never understood it. Uh, and it and it kind of fell on me on with fresh ears, I guess, and I started to hear things like you 're a sinner you 're broken you 're a rebel against God." And your only chance to be reconciled to God is putting your faith in Christ alone. And so for some reason, like I said, I probably had heard that all my life. It struck me like brand new, like I'd never heard that before. And I started to feel convicted and I started to feel this, man, I don't think I've ever really trusted in Christ. I've heard about religious stuff all my life and, but quickly, my defenses would jump up inside of me, and I would say, "No, no, no i I am a Christian, and you know why I, I, I would and this is how I would convince myself I was a Christian. I would start going through my mind well i you know I went to a Christian school when I was in kindergarten and and I went to the lutheran church i 've been through confirmation i've i 've been baptized many times, you know, sprinkled you know at least twice, you know. Uh, I'm good. I'm covered. <clears throat> I remember uh, our family, whenever we went to join this church in Missouri, uh, this was kind of a new thing for for, uh, for me anyway. And um, I'd never been a part of a church where this church taught baptism by immersion. And so you had to get dunked and, and, and get get really, really wet. And um, and so, so that was kind of new. Uh, and I had never been dunked before. And uh, and so in order to join the church, that, that was required. And so I'm like, yeah, sure, let's do it. I'm, I'm ready to go. I, I, like, I like that idea. And, and it was kind of cool because we, we actually had a swimming pool at our house. And so the pastor actually came out to our house and he dunked us in our swimming pool. And so I thought, that's, that's fun. My brother and I, we do that all the time to each other. Um, that sounds great. And, um, and And in my mind, again, I'm thinking about this from a perspective of, that's another thing I can add to my list. That's another thing that, that I can do. And God's going to be like, yeah, that Andrew Dostal, he's a pretty good guy. I like him. Uh, that was all going on in my pride. I remember one of the biggest things for me uh, when I would think about my list. Um, and this is just real. I remember I'd look at other kids my age and i would look at him and i would say man that dude's messed up and i'm a lot better than they are and so i know god must be really pleased with me and man when you know, as i was writing this out i'm hearing that with fresh ears kind of again and and just being reminded of yeah i really felt that i really thought that how prideful how religious I was how broken I was and it kept me from seeing the glory of Christ and the glory of the gospel it kept me from seeing the death burial resurrection of Christ as the only thing that could reconcile me to God I thought I was reconciled to God by my righteous works I bring all this up because if if we're not careful this morning, as we start talking about baptism, we're going to start thinking it's all about what we do to get to God. Instead of understanding what it really is, it's all about Jesus. Baptism is all about Jesus. It's all about what he has done to reconcile us to God. God. When Jesus comes to John, uh, I think this is really cool: is that, you know, here's these holy, righteous Pharisees coming, and they're being really critical of John and, and looking down on John. Jesus is probably the only one that could be critical of John, right? He's, he, he is perfect. He really could come on the scene and say, hey, John, you know, here, here's some things I would, I would kind of fix. You know, you're not quite doing this quite right. You know, the camel hair thing, could you lose that? Maybe do something a little different. You know, Jesus would be the only one who really could offer any good criticism to John. He is holy. He is perfect. He is God incarnate. But Jesus doesn't doesn't correct John at all. In fact, John even kind of seems to kind of ask for it. John's response to Jesus when Jesus comes to get baptized is is he says, Look, Jesus, I need to be baptized by you. you. You shouldn't be baptizing me, Jesus. Why do you come to me? Why are you asking me to do this for you? And Jesus has complete humility. Jesus has complete affirmation for John. It says, Jesus answers, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented and, and baptized Jesus. What's going on there? It, is Jesus saying, hey, John, I do have some problems. And so I, I really do need you to baptize me. Is that what Jesus is saying? Uh, is that why he's wanting John to baptize him? No, no, that's not what's going on here at all. But I do think something really profound is happening here that has to do with the gospel. One of the foundational truths of the gospel is that the Son of God, Jesus, stepped out of glory, humbled himself, and became a man. Why did he do that? He came to identify with us, didn't he? He came to identify with a broken and sinful race so that he could represent us. Philippians 2, 5-7 through kind of parallels this or echoes this. It says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. You hear that? Being born in the likeness of men. Jesus came to identify with us. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15 21 through 22 kind of draws a, a draws a, a cool picture for us. It says, for as by a man came death. Who's that talking about? What man is that? What man brought death? Adam, right? Adam was the original kind of representative of the entire human race. His sin, his rebellion against God, it brought death, condemnation, brokenness for all the human race. As by a man... Came death by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. Who's that second man? That's Jesus. Jesus is the one who brings resurrection, new life. For as in Adam all died, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. So Jesus came to identify with us as a broken people, as sinners. The next thing that, that I think is significant in Jesus' baptism is that Jesus is identifying himself as the Savior. In order to save us, Jesus must be more than just a man. He must be more than just one of us. He must be more than just a broken and messed up person. He must be perfect. He must be holy. He must succeed where we've all failed. And live without sin. He must be that in order to be our savior. Second Corinthians 5:21 this is a, another favorite passage of scripture of mine it says for our sake he god the father made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of god. One real key part there is who knew no sin. You get that? We got to get that. <laughs> That's important. He, didn't, he wasn't a sinner. He, he didn't fail where we failed. He was perfect. He was sinless. He was holy. He didn't deserve God's wrath. Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And John 3:17 says for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him. So Jesus is coming to John and he's identifying himself I think in baptism. I think right away here at the beginning of his ministry in Matthew chapter 3 he is saying I know who I am and I know why I've come. And I'm coming to get baptized because I want everybody to connect the dots. I want everybody to know, John, that you are the herald, that you are the guy that Isaiah talked about. And I want everybody to know that I'm the guy that you're talking about. That I'm the guy that you're rolling the red carpet out for. That I am the Savior. I've come to humble, humbly identify myself with, with the sinful and broken race, and I've come To be the Savior. Jesus is identifying himself also as a suffering servant. Uh, This is a tough part, but we can't forget this. Um, And and it's really kind of connected to the whole idea of him identifying himself as a Savior. But there's a certain way that Jesus is going to save. There's a certain way, there's a certain thing that Jesus must do in order to rescue us. And this is a hard part about the gospel, is first of all, admitting, yeah, you know what? We are broken, and we are sinners, we have a, a rebellious heart. We do rebellious things against God. And you know what? The reality of that, because of our sin and because of our rebellion, you know what we deserve? We deserve the righteous and holy wrath of God to be poured out on us. We deserve death. And that's hard to hear. That's not comfortable. It's not comfortable to talk about that, even. It's not comfortable to think about that. But that's the reality of sin. And so, for Jesus to save, the chosen way for him to rescue us is that he's going to take our spot, he's going to substitute himself, he's going to put himself in our place. And by suffering and dying, he's going to drink all of God's wrath for us. He's going to take all of God's wrath for us. He's going to absorb it. So that we get grace. So that we get love. So that we get to be sons and daughters of God. Romans 5, 6 through 8 says says it this way. It says, for while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that's the picture, you know, as we think about the picture of baptism. Got somebody coming? I'm outside of God's grace. I don't deserve God's grace. I'm on the outside. to get into the water. Death, burial. That's the picture of Christ substituting himself in our place. Suffering, dying, absorbing the wrath of God and then being resurrected. A brand new person. The old man has died. A new person reconciled to God, comes up out of the water and walks in newness of life. That's the picture that Jesus is painting. And Jesus is painting, I think, a a picture of exactly why he has come. (laughs) Jesus is foreshadowing, if you will. He's saying, hey, don't want anybody to be mistaken. I know why I'm here. I know why I have come. I've come to identify with you as a broken And sinful race. I've come to save. I've come to substitute myself in your place, to die. And three days later, boop, (laughs) rising to the dead, conquering sin, conquering death, walking in newness of life as a son of God. Kind of up to this point, Jesus has really been kind of doing the preaching, if you will, or, or the the speaking with his actions as he 's being baptized, and at this point in the baptism, I think the the voice changes it changes from jesus 's voice or jesus life jesus 's action to the voice of the Father in verse six through 17 says and when jesus was baptized immediately he went up from the water and behold the heavens were open to him and he saw the spirit of god descending like a dove and coming to rest on him and behold a voice from heaven said this is my beloved son with whom i am well pleased god speaks over jesus's baptism and says this is my son In whom I am well pleased. This is the guy. This is the savior. I don't want anybody to be mistaken. He has come to save. He has come to rescue. And I almost think that the gospel writer. Means for that to really hit us. (laughs) Like kind of a, a boom. Or like an aha moment. Um. And I think, let's just stand back a little bit. Let's just marvel at Jesus. Let's just wonder at him. That Here he is. His, he He's just getting ready to start his ministry. And he already knows the end game. He already knows the goal. He's already looking ahead to the cross. Before he ever heals a blind man... Before he ever calls one of his disciples to follow him. Before he ever walks on the water. He walks down into the water. And he gives us a picture of what he's come to do as a savior. That he will suffer. That he will die. That he will be buried. And that he will rise again conquering sin and death. So that we can be reconciled to God. So what does this mean for us as, as Christians, as a church, looking at the idea of baptism? Um, one of the great passages of Scripture that is helpful is, is Romans chapter 6. Uh, we usually almost always when somebody gets baptized here at Lincoln, Pastor Jason or I or Daniel, we usually go over these these scriptures with with the with the person getting baptized because it, it just it talks about the Christian life, it connects it to the reality of being joined to Jesus and what the picture of baptism, how the picture of baptism displays um, the Christian being connected to Christ it says this it says, what then shall we say? Are we to continue in sin?" That grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin live in it? Do you not know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. It's rich with gospel imagery there. Do you hear the idea of being joined to Christ That's what happens when we we become a Christian. We are joined to Jesus. The old person has died. The new person is resurrected to newness of life, reconciled to God. That's what happens when we're joined to Christ. And baptism is just a picture of that. It's just kind of a retelling of the realities of what has already happened in the life of a believer. So how does this play out? In your life and in my life, as we maybe even think about baptism for a new believer, uh, I think the first thing is is, is, is baptism gives us an opportunity to say, yeah, I realize I was on the outside. I was a sinner. I was a rebel against God. I, I identify myself. I, I'm a sinner. <laughs> I'm broken. Secondly, I think it helps us to identify Jesus as the Savior and as the suffering servant that the only way for us to be reconciled to God is through Jesus. And so we must be joined to him. We must be joined to him in a death and a burial through the crucifixion, through the sacrifice of Christ. We must be joined to him in that. And then raised to newness of life through the Savior. As he was resurrected to a new life, and to walk in newness of life, we are joined to Him and so in turn resurrected and joined with Him in being reconciled to the Father through His resurrection. Finally, I think one of the cool, cool pictures, and this is a beautiful thing, it's hard for us to talk about being a sinner and being a rebel, deserving God's wrath, but this is not too hard to talk about. But when we're joined to Jesus, the beautiful reality is that just as the father spoke on his son at Jesus' baptism, and Jesus says he comes up out of the water, and the father, the spirit comes down and the father speaks, and he says, this is my, this is my son. When the believer is joined to Jesus Christ and resurrected to walk in newness of life, God the father looks down from heaven and you know what he says about us? That's my son. That's my daughter. This is repeated over and over again in the New Testament, this idea of becoming sons and daughters of God. Uh, John 1.12 says this, it says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Because of what Jesus has done, we are reconciled to God into an intimate relationship. And it's compared to being sons and daughters, family, beloved of God. As we kind of read through Jesus' baptism and read through these scriptures that talk about the realities of the gospel in a believer's life... um, I think it becomes pretty clear why we do baptism the way we do, uh, the method of baptism. Why, why do we get up in the water? Why do we dunk people uh, the way we do? Uh, when we have a clear understanding of what baptism is a picture of, it becomes pretty obvious. Um, one of the first things I would say that should become pretty clear is that baptism is for believers, Um, baptism is for somebody who has been joined to Jesus Christ. Baptism is a way for a new believer to say, yeah, I've been joined to Jesus. I've been changed. My life is different. I've been reconciled to God because of what Christ has done. What I need to say with that is, just to be very clear, baptism does not save you. While baptism is a great picture of the gospel, baptism is not what saves anybody. Being joined to Jesus saves you. That's what saves us. That relationship, embracing Christ, embracing him in faith, trusting in his finished work. Baptism always follows belief in Christ. Uh, As we look through the New Testament, Even in Jesus' words in Matthew twenty-eight, verse nineteen, where He's giving the great commission, He says, "Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit." So there's this reality of belief proceeds the baptism uh Peter uh whenever uh, at pentecost uh, uh in acts chapter 2 Peter preaches this great sermon about trusting in Christ and 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 all these things and 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 the people come forward they're broken they're they're coming to Peter they're like man what do we do Peter what do we do you've preached the gospel we understand we've we've we killed Jesus we are sinners we are broken we are rebels And Peter says, repent, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. So there's repentance, there's faith in Christ, baptism follows that. All through the New Testament, we see that. Perhaps the strongest story or the strongest thing from the Bible that, that I could say about that baptism Um, is not what saves us, is the thief on the cross. A lot of you guys know the story of the thief on the cross where uh, in uh, in Luke chapter 23, there's some thieves hanging on crosses next to Jesus while Jesus is there dying. One of the thieves is kind of ridiculing Jesus. And the other thief kind of speaks up. He says, do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And indeed, we justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he turns to Jesus and he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. There's a profession of faith from the thief. And the profession is, man, Jesus, you're a king. (laughs) You're a king, Jesus. And the only hope for me is I need to embrace you. I need to be joined to you. And in that moment, Jesus says, today you're going to be with me in paradise. Because he's joined to a faith relationship with Jesus and it changes everything. Notice it doesn't say, and at that moment, Jesus and the thief climbed off the cross and went down into the water and the thief was baptized. No, it doesn't say that. Uh, That was not necessary because being joined to Jesus is what saves. Baptism is an opportunity to to proclaim that. Baptism is an opportunity to identify with that publicly, to brag and to boast about Jesus and what he's done. But it doesn't save us. I've got some funny pictures I want to share with you guys. I think it'll be worth your time. I know I'm over already. Um, but uh, i have Teresa maybe put those up on the screen. Uh, go ahead and, and, and jump them up there. Uh, this is a picture of Michelle and I. Um, we, uh, we enjoy climbing 14ers. And uh, so we've got pictures of us. Uh, we, we try to get a picture of us every time we get to the top of a new one. And, uh, and so we on our wall, at, if you come to our house, you'll see pictures of us at the top of different fourteeners, ers and, and just that they're a great memory of, of a special thing that we did together. And, uh, and so we enjoy having those. They can remind us of that day. They remind us of that special event. And uh, there's a significance. Those pictures, um, they're a symbol of something real that we've done together and that we enjoy doing together. Uh, I've got some other pictures here. These are funny, uh, pictures. Um, uh, this is me at Mount Everest and, uh, you'll, you'll see, um, why maybe if they're funny here a little bit more clearly in a moment, but that's me looking at Mount Everest. I'm on the trail. Uh, go ahead and put another picture up there. Uh, this is me. I I'm in a, uh, Big large down jacket climbing up Mount everest uh, keep going teresa uh, there's me again i'm I'm now I'm at the summit of Mount Everest, kind of looking out um, and uh, keep going uh, there's me i I brought different clothes to where you'll notice I changed clothes uh, that's me again at top of Mount everest uh, keep going there's me. my head is kind of falling off in this one, but uh and again I've changed jackets, uh, but that's me summiting getting ready to get to the top of Mount Everest keep going there's me I'm at the top different jacket again this was a special day holding my ice pick uh there's me wearing my Vikings helmet I like the Minnesota Vikings and uh, and holding Snappy uh Snappy the alligator uh up at the top I thought I'd bring him along just kind of as a way to celebrate thought he'd really enjoy being at the top Mount Everest keep going Uh, There's me whenever the aliens and the sharks attacked at the top of Mount Everest, okay? Um, These pictures, they're funny, right? They make us chuckle. They make us laugh. And though there really is a Mount Everest and there really are sharks in the ocean that swim around and they're not at the top of Mount Everest... um, I never have been to the top of Mount Everest. And so those pictures, the meaning and the depth of them is very shallow. And the reason is because there's no reality behind them. There's no truth behind them. And in the same way, when we participate, when somebody participates in baptism without the reality of being joined to Jesus, baptism has no significance. It's just getting wet. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that all baptisms have no significance. I'm saying that baptism for that person has no significance because it's not grounded in the reality of them being joined to a relationship with Christ. We must be joined to a relationship with Christ and then baptism is an opportunity for us to boast and to brag in what Jesus has done and the importance and the significance of it. As, as we close, if you've been reconciled to God and you've put your trust in Jesus, You're rejoicing with me this morning. You're rejoicing in what Jesus has done. You're saying, yeah, I want to brag about Jesus. I want to brag about what Jesus has done because it has changed everything for me. I don't need a list anymore. (laughs) There's one thing. My relationship with Jesus has reconciled me to God. And I'm so thankful for him and what he has done. And so you're going to worship with us here as we get ready to close. And as musicians come in a minute, you're going to rejoice and celebrate in that. But maybe this morning you're like I was when I was going to church. I thought my religion, I thought my list was enough. Or or maybe I thought, man, I've done so many bad things that I could never be reconciled to God. Uh, Maybe you think that. Here's the reality. Jesus came to save rebels and sinners and religious people. (laughs) He came to save us. And so the invitation this morning for you is to trust in Jesus, to embrace him, to be joined to him in a relationship that brings life and that saves you last I'd say maybe you're here this morning and you would say yeah I'm I'm a believer I have been joined to Jesus and I just I love him I know he's changed everything for me and maybe this morning for you you've you've heard about baptism you just didn't know very much about it and you're like yeah I want to be baptized cuz you know what I want to boast I want to brag about what Jesus has done for me and so maybe this morning you're saying I, I need to be scripturally baptized uh, because I want to boast about what Jesus has done and brag on him. So you just let God lead you what you need to do this morning. Uh, and uh, we're going to close in a time of worship. And and um, you just come and do whatever God's laying on your heart to do. Thanks for being here.